Hello and welcome to episode number 434 of Holy Crap It Sports. I'm your host, Pete Davis. It is a Wednesday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, it's time for that again. Uh, tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, so enjoy that. I'm going to go see Dr. Strange tomorrow The uh, and uh, give you a review on Friday about Dr. Strange. And I uh, saw Moon Knight this morning at 3 a.m., but before I talk about that, I just want to tell everybody. Well, hold a second, there's a, something stupid the computer's doing here. Eh, it's just doing something stupid. Anyway, it's still recording, so who cares? Uh, what I was going to say is uh, thanks to uh, Rhino and everybody at Extra 106.3 this morning. Uh, Kimmer and I went in there and did a, co-hosted the show with Rhino at, uh, from 6 a.m. to 9, so check it out if you want. I think they have a replay. You can go on their website and everything and check it out. And, of course, the Kimmer Show podcast, the best of is run for one hour from noon to one every Saturday on Extra 106.3. But we had a lot of fun this morning with Rhino. Uh, thanks a lot. We uh, talked a lot of politics and, you know, of course, everything in the news. So we had a great uh, a great morning. It was really a lot of fun, and I appreciate uh, them letting us on there. Also, I saw uh, the uh, last of Season 1. Hopefully there will be a Season 2, and the way they're acting there will be, of uh, Moon Knight and... Um, I was predisposed to like it because I liked the comic when I was a kid back in the 70s. They changed a few things, but Oscar Isaac is a great actor, and so was Ethan uh, Hawke, and they both did a great job. And uh, it was kind of almost like a Godzilla King Kong thing at the end. There wasn't enough action in the first five shows, but the sixth one, holy cow. So if you like the action, it was really a lot of crazy stuff going on in that last one. I know a lot of people didn't like it. They thought it was a little too psychological stuff and all that, and there was. But uh, it did have it had one two moments in the whole series of six shows, uh, two moments that really made me go, yeah, that's why I read the comic book because of that. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Headlines for Wednesday, May fourth, two twenty twenty two, is what we're going to get to as soon as I tell you about following me on Twitter, which is Pete Davis one. You can uh, write me a letter, Pete Davis one at yahoo.com. Or you can go to patreon.com and say, I would love to be a sponsor of this show. Just a cheeseburger a month. Uh, just look up Holy Crap at Sports on patreon.com. Or get us a t-shirt. No, get you a t-shirt. I already got one. Uh, farmhouseprintingco.com. And uh, Holy Crap at Sports t-shirts and uh, Kimmer Show t-shirts and all kinds of good stuff. So check that out. Okay, here are the headlines. In the immortal words of the Grinch, so far this young season, the Braves stink, stink, stunk. Uh, maybe time to retire a Yankees broadcaster. How to get banned from the Masters in one easy lesson. The best draft picks ever by the Eagles, the Steelers, and the 49ers. What to do with 150000 American dollars if you're bored. Uh, will the Falcons play overseas this season? And an NFL quarterback admits to getting therapy to get past his bad play in the playoffs. And then runs his mouth about, I'm not going to mentor anybody. Yeah, what a jerk this guy is. But anyway, let's get to the Braves here. Uh, the Braves blow another very good start from uh, Kyle Wright. They drop a doubleheader yesterday in Flushing on Tuesday. The Mets won both the games. They were close games, but not enough. Uh, Charlie Morton started the first game. They were shut out the second. They're now seven games back at the Metropolitans, and it's only May 4th. Ugly. If they keep playing badly and the Mets keep winning, they could be double-digit in a week or two. Uh, they can't do that. that. Then you pretty much say, okay, let's play for second. I know it's May, and there's a whole season still to go, but the Mets would have to go on a really bad slump. I'm just saying. They're a pretty good team. 
Uh, at last, uh, Matt Olson's bat woke up, a homer and two doubles. Ronald Acuna Jr. is hitting in bad luck and getting screwed on called third strikes, but hopefully that'll even out. The Bravos try to even their series at two apiece today before a much-needed day off on Thursday. They need... I said they had to win at least one, but for the second straight series, they win the first game, and then they go, they disappear. So hopefully they'll wake up again today. I don't know what's going on with them. This slow start business, there's no excuse for it. Uh, it, I'm tired of it. Uh, The damn Yankees have won 11 in a row. Somebody tell John Sterling. Uh, Sterling used to call Atlanta Hawks games. He was fired from that position. He used to call Braves games, also fired from that position or asked to move on, or maybe it was his choice. I don't care. I was never a big fan of him being on the air. Yet John has many friends here in Atlanta and around sports, some of which I've known and still know, so having never met the man, I hold now no bad feelings toward John Sterling. Having said that, I've never liked the way he calls a game. In my opinion, he doesn't pay attention enough and is quickly uh, distracted too easily distracted he's too busy remembering his corny catchphrases and not enough concentration on what's happening on the field case in point for the third time already this young baseball season he's made a huge gaffe on the air while calling a yankees game if it was tv you could see for yourself what was happening and whatever the play-by-play man said is superfluous but john is on the radio He's the eyes and ears of you, the fan, sitting at home or in your car, at the beach, anywhere but the ballpark and not in front of a TV. So what he says goes as far as you know. So when he makes a mistake, you don't know what's going on. And what John says is so often completely divorced from reality. And now even his co-workers seem annoyed by his many mistakes and having to cover for them. Susan Waldman, John's co-host slash analyst for the Yankees games, and she's no broadcasting wonder herself, had to correct him again last night during the game. I don't know if they travel with the team or call the game from New York City, but it doesn't matter when the mistake is this bad. I'm going to find it for you here a second. Hold on. I'm going to give you sound effects as well as I look for this lovely piece of sound. Uh, here we go. It was John Boy Media had it. And I'm going to pull it up here. What the hell? Did I get to pull the wrong one up? Hold on, hold on. Come on. Here we go. All right, here we, here we go. Pitch, one, two. Swung out in the air to right. Back goes Stanton on the track at the wall, leaping, and she is gone. It is a Yeah, it's a shame you missed it, John. By the way, did you hear that person laugh in the background? Just guffaw? Sterling had not one, not two, but three mistaken mistakes on that one play. First, it was not a home run. Giancarlo Stanton caught the ball, and so it wasn't a home run to begin with. Second, he immediately threw the baseball back in. And third, he did not rob anyone of a home run. The ball would clearly have hit inside the fence had he not called it. In no way, unless it hit his head and bounced over the fence, would it have been a home run. Like I said, this isn't the first time Sterling has done this, not even this season. And reading the comments on social media, it seems even the diehard fans of his are saying it's time to gracefully bow out of the booth. It's getting embarrassing, and it's sad. As one tweeter put it, there are lots of qualified, talented professionals who can do that job without the need of a babysitter. 
I don't mean to be rough on the guy. I'm just saying right now he sucks. And that's just and, – and it's, it's a disservice to the fans. I don't know if he's in Toronto or not. He's up there in years. I know that. And if he's not traveling because he's scared about the health stuff or whatever, I understand. But it's a disservice to the fans, and they got to change that. But it's a Yankees fan, so anyway. Uh, on a happy Yanks note in Toronto, a Blue Jays grown-up fan in right field called an Aaron Judge home run ball and handed it to a kid wearing a Aaron Judge jersey. The little boy immediately hugged the man and started crying. I tell you, it would bring tears to your eyes. If only you didn't know that kid will grow up to be yet another asshole Yankees fan. Actually, if you watch it, I think it was right field. If you watch the video, it's heartbreaking. It really is good stuff. Uh, college football news. Keith Farner of Saturday Down South has a great story about what to do with the spare $150,000 you have lying around, especially if you're an NFL player. Brandon Bolden. The former Ole Miss running back is going into his 10th year in the NFL, has a new custom ride. TMC Sports says the Raiders running back has a new 150K custom Ford Bronco. Uh, let's see. It was tricked out by South Florida Jeeps. Features a 400 horsepower, which isn't that, <laughs> a supercharged V6 engine, and also comes with an armored exterior shell that actually has Kevlar fibers woven into it. Well, that makes it pretty strong, and the way NFL players are running off the road in cars lately, or running into other people's cars, I can see why he'd do that. The car has bronze rims and a super-strength leather interior. <laughs> He just signed a two-year, $5 million contract with the Raiders, so I guess 150000 of that just went straight to uh, his ride, his whip, as we like to say at SwapMyWhip.com. Uh, let's see. NFL News, Titans interim quarterback Ryan Tannehill says after he blew their home playoff game that he just couldn't sleep for weeks and ended up having to get therapy to get past it. That therapy obviously didn't teach him about sharing because Ryan also says it's not my job to mentor uh, the newly drafted quarterback Malik Willis. When Malik asked him to do it, Ryan replied, what you talking about, Willis? You knew that was coming. You knew it. Don't sit there and make, don't sit there and write me. Don't at me. Don't, don't yell at the phone or whatever you're listening to. You knew that was coming. The Buccaneers will play the Seahawks in the NFL's first regular season game in Germany. Uh, the, if there is a Germany, we'll see. Uh, the league announced uh, today the teams will play at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, November 13th, in uh, the arena, which is the home of the soccer team FC Bayern Munich, which is a very famous soccer team. Uh, the Falcons will play all their games this season inside the United States of America. I heard... Uh, I was listening to the 1990 game, uh, driving home, and John Freaky was saying, I'm so glad they're not going to London again this year. And I was like, I would love to go to London again. Uh, I think I can go now. Oh, by the way, Serbia and Croatia just opened up for us pure bloods. So <laughs> if you were waiting for these countries to start opening up to uh, the regular people, uh, non-vaccinated, uh, sorry, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you're non-vaccinated and you're thinking, I'm never going to be able to go to Serbia or Croatia, well, guess what? You can now go. Uh, and actually, it's very pretty. The coast looks absolutely gorgeous. And if the women over there look like Melania, of course, she's from Slovenia. I shouldn't. That's not really Serbia or Croatia, but it's close. Uh, CBSSports.com continues their little thing. Uh, the most important draft picks ever. Today, we're going to do the Eagles, the Steelers, and the 49ers. We'll start with Philly. 
Their most important one ever was Steve Van Buren, fifth overall in 1944. Founded in 1933, the Eagles had never placed better than second in their division before Van Buren showed up, uh, guided them to their first NFL title game in 47. They lost that game to the Chicago Cardinals. Van Buren led the Eagles to consecutive titles in 48 and 49. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. He also inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1965. He won four rushing titles, led the league in rushing touchdowns four different times, led the league in yards from scrimmage in the 1940s twice. The Steelers' most important draft pick ever. Gosh, think of all the ones they've had. Bradshaw and Swan and Franco Harrison. And uh, Jack Lambert and Ham and all of them. Joe Green, mean Joe Green, fourth overall, 1969. The dynasty began with him. They were, I, I've told this before, when I was a kid, the Steelers were a joke. They were a bigger joke than the Falcons were. I mean, we thought the Steelers are getting good. No one believed the Steelers. That's why everyone kind of fell in love with them in the 70s. The Raiders have been good for a long time. The Vikings were good, blah, blah, blah. And here come this upstart young team that was fun to watch. The fans were crazy about them. And they were just fun. And uh, everybody fell in love with them. Uh, let's see. They've been the most successful franchise since the AFL-NFL merger. Uh, they won four Super Bowls in a six-year span in the 70s. He went to 11 straight Pro Bowls. Uh, leader of the vaunted Steel Curtain defense, named the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year in 72 and 74. His number 75 retired by the Steelers eight years ago. Uh, won two more Super Bowls as a member of the team's scouting department in the 2000s. He also helped develop the intensity and culture that still exists there, a physical blue-collar culture. And the 49ers, uh, I think it was pretty easy if you think about it. The most important draft pick ever, Joe Montana. 82nd overall in 1979. Like Mean Joe Green, the Niners dynasty begins with Joe. He excelled within Bill Walsh's West Coast offense. With him leading, the 49ers owned the 80s. Four Super Bowl wins. A two-time league MVP became the first player to win three Super Bowl MVP awards while not throwing a single interception in Super Bowl play. His magic included his game-winning touchdown pass to Dwight Clark in the 81 NFC title game against the Cowboys, his dominance over Miami's Killer BD in the Super Bowl 19, and his game-winning drive in San Francisco's 20-16 win over the Bengals in Super Bowl 23. What a great player. In fact, before Tom Brady came, Joe Montana, I thought, was the greatest quarterback ever. Of course, you got to look back. Uh, think about Bart Starr. You got to think about uh, Otto Graham and some of the Johnny Unitas and some of the guys from the past. But um, it was Joe Montana for me until Brady came along. Uh, golf here. Uh, Wayne Player, son of the golf legend Gary Player, confirms that he has been banned from Augusta National forever. He had that little mistimed marketing stunt. Last year, they were honoring Lee Elder, and of course, he's since passed away, the first black man ever to compete in the major. Wayne promoted a golf ball brand prominently in the screen, standing next to Lee Elder, who was in a wheelchair. So this week, Wayne opened up, talked to Golf Digest, quote, well, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity. I found out that's not quite true. I had probably 50 texts after that. 40 of them said, I'm a marketing genius, and 10 were, what the hell were you thinking? Well, it wasn't premeditated, but it was a tacky thing, 
End quote. Well, that's BS. He claimed he made amends with Elder before he died at 87 years old last year. Here's another quote. I don't believe this one too much either. I've got Lee's cell phone number. I called and I said, you know, Lee, I love you guys. What does that mean? Hopefully that means his family. What do you mean you guys? Uh, you know, everyone said I was disrespectful for a special moment in time uh, for you. I said I was sorry. I didn't mean to take up his special time. And he said, Wayne, you know how much I love you, right? It didn't cross his mind. That's important for people to know, end quote. Mm-hmm. A uh, player also weighed in on the controversy of his daddy, three-time Masters champ Gary, who wore that golf Saudi logo that was promoting the controversial upstart Saudi Golf League, which is, as Greg Norman is saying, uh, most of the players pulled out after Mickelson made those comments. He says, we can judge, you know, the Arab nation for traditions that they have. I mean, where women are not allowed to walk around like we know women can walk around. They've got to have a cloak over their head. I mean, I don't know. It's not for me to criticize them, you know. I mean, look, they're very tough on law and order, you know, and they do all the stuff that would be considered barbaric there, right? That's what Phil Mickelson basically said. I just know that my dad was excited about, you know, being part of growing the game of golf in Saudi Arabia. I mean, he loves golf course design. He's always enjoyed that. He's designed over 170 golf clubs, and he's a statesman. He's always trying to help everybody, so nobody should be criticizing Gary Player ever, end quote. It was tacky for Gary Player to wear that shirt, too. because he can wear whatever he wants. And Augusta National should have told him to take it off. He likes showing his, his uh, 80-year-old biceps anyway, so why not? And his pecs and everything else he's got. He's in shape, man. Uh, let's see. What else do I have to say about that? Oh, if Wayne Player was a player, he'd be just as famous now as Phil Mickelson because he just said some stupid stuff just like Phil did. Uh, stop talking. Just stop talking. I'm begging you, just, Wayne, stop talking. Uh, let's see what have we got here. Oh, we're already on the, uh, no, we can't possibly be that there that quick. I guess we are this date in sports history. Holy cow. Uh, or do we, don't we do? No, we don't do Pete's tweets here. We do it. Well, whatever. It's Wednesday. We'll do whatever we want. It's my show. I'll do what I want. 1869, the Cincinnati Red Stockings play their first official baseball game, a win against the great Western baseball club and baseball was two words. 45 to 9. 1871, the first baseball league game of the National Association of Baseball Players, or NAB. Fort Wayne beat Cleveland 2 to nothing. Deacon Jim White got the first hit, which was a double. Uh, May 4th of 1893, Cowboy Bill Pickett invented bulldogging, the skill of grabbing cattle by the horns and wrestling to the ground. I wonder how that came about. 1949, the plane carrying the entire Torino Serie A soccer squad crashes on the outskirts of Turin, Italy. 31 killed. Torino was awarded the league title at the request of the rival teams. 1980, White Sox first baseman Mike Squires caught the final inning of an 11-1 loss to the Brewers, the first left-hander to catch since Dale Long in 1958. So it was 22 years. Uh, let's see, 19. I think this. The Pirates had a guy a few years ago, I remember. Uh, let's see, 1982, Twins rookie outfitter Jim Eisenreich, who suffers from Tourette syndrome, removed himself from the game due to taunts from the Red Sox bleachers. The Red Sox, they're rough up there. Uh, birthdays on May 4th, uh, 1903, Elmer Layden, College Football Hall of Fame fullback at Notre Dame, was part of the legendary Four Horsemen, 
was the first NFL commissioner, was born in Davenport, Iowa. He died in 1973. In 1940, Dick Curl. Why would, your, why would you name your kid Dick, Pearl, Dick Curl? Offensive coordinator coach for the Barcelona Dragons, born in Chester, Pennsylvania. 1949, John Force, American drag racer, 16 NHRA championships, born in Bell Gardens, California. I think his, didn't his daughter pretty big in it, too. Uh, 1956, Ken Oberkfell. Boy, he was part of the Whitey Herzog and those St. Louis Cardinals that played on that hot turf there. And they just singled and doubled to death. Just RBI machines. Ken Oberkfell, kind of a portly dude. Played for the Braves at the end of his career. Born in Highland, Illinois. 1968, Eddie Perez, Venezuelan-American baseball catcher for the Braves and now a longtime coach for the Braves and an all-time great guy, born in Ciudad Ojeda, Venezuela. 1989, Rory McIlroy was born. Irish golfer won the U.S. Open in 2011, the British Open in 2014, PGA Championship in 12 and 14, and the FedEx Cup in 16 and 19, but no Masters. Born in Hollywood, Northern Ireland. Dead people on May 4th. You got 1938, Kano Jigoro, Japanese educator and founder of judo. Uh, dead at age of 77. Uh, you know, when they, they told him he was going to die, it really threw him for... Uh, anyway, sorry. 2010, Ernie Harwell, one of the great sportscasters ever from right here in Georgia, I think. American sportscaster born 1918. I always said when, when the day I was in Cooperstown wandering around and I kept hearing Ernie Harwell's voice and I'm thinking, oh, there's a display where they're playing old Ernie Harwell calls. And I turned the corner and it was Ernie Harwell. 2020, Don Shula, American Pro Football Hall of Fame coach, won Super Bowls in 72-73 with the Dolphins. Let's see, also was with the Colts. Oh, well, I, excuse me about the sneeze. I'm allergic to the Colts or something. Hold on. <coughs> oh, geez. Uh, let's see, NFL Coach of the Year in 64, 67, 68, and 72. Died at the age of 92 years ago. And last year, we lost Ray Miller, one of the great pitching coaches of all time was the pitching coach for Earl Weaver, those uh, Baltimore Orioles teams of the 70s and everything. He also managed the Twins and the Orioles, dead at the age of 76 on May 4th. Uh, one divorce on this day, May 4th, 1944, baseball's Ted Williams. Actually, this is a marriage. Sorry. Uh, married Doris Sewell, divorced in 1954. So I don't know if he divorced her or married her on this date, but there we have it. Pete's Tweets, here we go. Now we're doing Pete's Tweets. You know, you think I've done this show 434 times. I know where we're doing things at this point. <sighs> Need to hire a producer. Yeah, that'll happen. Where the hell did I put this? Oh, there it is. Sorry. Uh, Atlanta Falcons put out a tweet. A reminder that Desmond Ritter had the fastest 40 time of any active quarterback at the Combine. He ran a 4.50 the first time and a 4.49 the second run. He's going to need that speed behind that offensive line. And the Falcons are not picking up a fifth-year thing on Caleb McGarry, so basically running him out. I posted this uh, yesterday or the day before. It caught my eye. There's an old photo of Philadelphia Athletics star Frank Home Run Baker, who didn't hit that many home runs, but still. He hit some in the World Series, so that's how he got the name. He's standing in front of the dugout. In the dugout to the right of him are two little boys in street clothes sitting down with their head in their hands like they're upset about something or bored or just they didn't get their way. 
And it reminded me of the two cherubs or cherubim or whatever at the bottom of the painting, the Sistine Madonna, which you've probably seen. There's in, oh, a lot of Catholic churches have. In fact, I gave a copy of it to my nephew uh, when he and his niece, when my niece got married. She wasn't my niece until they married. Don't think that. But anyway, so I gave it to them because it's one of my favorite paintings of all time. And if you've seen it, you've seen those cherubs, those little angels everywhere because they're on postcards, Hallmark cards. They're everywhere, right? And no one knows where they came from. Where they came from the bottom of Raphael's Sistine Madonna, which I think is one of the most beautiful paintings ever done. Anyway, so I just posted that on there. And I, that was a really long explanation for something you probably will never see. Uh, let's see. The Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to try and clean this up a little. No, no, no. So, Friday is May 6th. A Cincinnati Reds fan has gone on Reddit and is said this during the friday may 6th game against the pirates i will be scaling the wall to defecate in the bed of the toyota tundra which is displayed up there if anyone can take photos of me i'd appreciate it also if anyone is also down to blank in the bed of the truck meet me under the smokestacks in the top of the fourth inning cheers john boy media uh retweeted that with the line checking in on reds fans boy they're having a bad year uh, let's see. Oh, I said it again. Sorry. Here's Buck Ballou, 680 the fan and uh, Georgia great. My Falcons draft grade F. Wow. Shots fired. So Mike Davis was released by the Falcons the other day, local guy. And here's what he tweeted. I appreciate everything the Falcons did for me. I was able to play for my hometown and impact my community. I appreciate the fans and my family. Classy. He uh, Falcons uh, did not capitalize the F. Uh, David O'Brien uh, reporting that Braves lefty Max Freed has a 3 ERA, a 0.87 whip, and 5 starts with a stunning ratio of 27 strikeouts to 1 walk in 30 innings. Let me find another sports here. Uh, that's not sports. Uh, Howard Kelman says, when Stan Musial hit the five home runs, we talked about it Monday, hit the five homers in a doubleheader against the uh, Giants in St. Louis, his 12-year-old son, Dick Musial, was there. Stan went up to Dick afterwards to give him a big hug, and Dick said, Dad, the Giants sure have a lousy pitching staff. <laughs> uh, blooper, the... Blooper, Braves mascot. The Braves really know how to ruin a Mets gala. You know, the Met gala is the Mets gala. So they get back. Uh, the Reverend Ralph Fiel Warnock, Reverend, as a pro-choice pastor, which is an oxymoron, I've always believed that a patient's room is way too small for a woman, her doctor, in the United States government. To which sportscaster uh, Jason Whitlock responded, any room for God inside that patient's room, pastor? <laughs> uh, what else we got here uh, oh tim young it must be a tough transition to go from cheering on men beating women in women's sports to pretending to care about women's rights uh also when uh warnock the georgia's interim senator uh by the way we interviewed some people this morning that are trying to beat him on uh extra 1063 some fine candidates by the way fine candidates and one really stood out to me was uh, kelvin king very experienced and very well spoken i liked him and i liked the other guy too i'm trying to remember lambeth lambeth 
whatever. He did a good job, too. Meanwhile, so, you know, Warnock saying he's a pro-choice pastor, blah, blah, blah. Tony Dungy responded with, it all comes down to what you believe about the organism growing inside the mother. Is it a life or not? Is it just growing tissue? Then your choice makes sense. If it's a life, then it's obviously not okay to choose to end it. What does your Bible tell you it is, Pastor? Psalm 139.16. Look it up. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The NFL and CBS tweets, the only two NFL teams, this will get you a good bar bet. The only two NFL teams with a playoff win percentage below 250 over the last 25 seasons are the Lions, they're 0 and 5, and the Cowboys, they're 3 and 10. That's a 231 winning percentage. Oh, Jerry Seinfeld, big Mets fan, but I won't hold that against him. Here's what Baseball and Picks put out Jerry Seinfeld was asked about uh, bucket lists and uh, retirement and stuff like that. He goes, I turned 60 this year, and people around that age make a bucket list. Well, I made a bucket list, and I turned the B into an F and was done with it. If you want to kite surf down the Amazon, go ahead. I'm going to crack open a beer and watch a ball game. When I think of retirement, all I would think of is going to a baseball game every day. I like that guy. Uh, David O'Brien reported uh, during the doubleheader yesterday, Dansby Swanson's two strikeouts through six innings of game one raised his National League leading total to 35. And Adam Duvall is second in the league with 32 strikeouts. It is just the 25th game. Uh, if, if those two guys don't hit, they're not going to win. Or they're going to replace one of them. And uh, Dansby's picked a bad year to pull this stuff. Uh, I, in fact, I see them, if that Braden Shoemake continues to rise up in the minor leagues and that other kid coming up behind him, the Grissom kid at shortstop, this may be Dansby's last year. I'd be very surprised if they sign him to long-term as streaky as he is. It's just the way it is. Uh, Bally Sports South has a great stat on Ronald Acuna Jr., who's playing his 400th career major league game yesterday. Let's compare him to some other guys with 400 career games under their belt all right eric davis remember him how great a world series hero in 1990 i mean he basically almost died because he fell down on the ball or something diving for a ball and it ruptured a spleen or something i forget what it was eric davis had 85 home runs at 400 games alfonso soriano has 76 and mike trout had 76 ronald acuna jr has 105 uh steals Eric Davis, 167. Soriano, 100. Mike Trout, 93. And uh, Acuna has 80. So, but he blows them away with uh, the uh, home runs. And some sad news. 11-year uh, veteran uh, major league player, I think pitcher, Jim Poole, has ALS, the Lou Gehrig's disease. And he was there at the Georgia Tech game last Saturday. And he was, uh, they brought him out. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, the Georgia Tech baseball said, last Saturday was a great day for a great man, Jim Poole. We're all with you, Jim. And, of course, he's, he's tearing up out there when they're honoring him in there. So say a prayer for Jim Poole and his family and what he's going through right now. Uh, John Boy Media says, can somebody check on the Rocky scoreboard operator? And here's what the scoreboard operator put out there in uh, Denver. Game notes. This is on the big screen in center field. 
Life pro tip, don't put up with anyone who is reckless with your heart. Life will be dramatically better if you don't pay mind to any heartbreaker, unless it's the Pat Benatar song, or the Mariah Carey song, or the Led Zeppelin song. So, to sum up, song form heartbreaker, okay. Real life heartbreaker, tell him to scram. Yes, somebody that's somebody whose heart has just been broken. <laughs> All right, time for this date in baseball history. Oh, yeah, May 4th. Of uh, 1871, Bill Lennon becomes the first catcher to throw a runner out trying to steal second. The Fort Wayne, what the hell? The Fort Wayne Kekion Gas, maybe that's the name of a company, Kekion Gas, a backstop of the National Association, accomplishes the feat in the seventh inning of the very first game ever played. 1910, President William Taft leaves Robinson Park where the Cardinals are routing the Reds to catch a great pitching duel between the Knapps Cy Young and the Browns Joe Lake at Sportsman's Park. The chief executive will stay to the last out of the American League contest, which ends in a 3-3 tie after 14 innings. In 1931, to put less strain on Babe Ruth's leg, which I think he'd injured, the Yankees have him play first base, moving Lou Gehrig to right field. The Iron Horse commits an error in the outfield, helping the Senators beat the Yankees 7-3. So that experiment didn't last too long, I guess. May 4, 1939. The first ever at-bat in Detroit, Boston rookie Ted Williams became the first player to hit a homer that clears the right field seats at Briggs Stadium. He's 20 years old as they beat the Tigers. 1956, Boston manager Pinky Higgins accepts a Red Sox schedule printed in Braille from Francis B. Iorardi, the founder and manager of the National Braille Press, or INBA. Uh, let's see. It marks the first time a baseball schedule had been available for the blind. 1966, in a win over L.A. at Candlestick Park, Willie Mays became the all-time National League home run leader. He stroked his 512th career round-tripper off Dodger starter Claude Osteen. The San Francisco center fielder passed another giant, a New York giant, breaking the mark set by Mel Ott. In 1946, 1968, the Simon and Garfunkel tune Mrs. Robinson debuts on the Billboard's Top 40. The song's lyrics include the memorable question for the Yankees' former center fielder, Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. It was just a week or two ago we talked about Joe's response to that and Paul's response to that. May 4th, 1970, neither one was positive. With his third-inning RBI single and the Braves' win over Pittsburgh, the big boy, Rico Cardi, establishes an Atlanta team record by getting a hit in his 23rd straight game. The 30-year-old left fielder, who hasn't had a hitless game since opening day, will win the National League Battle title at 366. Wow. I, I still have one of his bats from bat giveaway day. 1975, and the team's lost to the Giants at Candlestick Park. The Astros' Bob Watson scored the Major League's one millionth run winning $10,000 and 1 million Tootsie Rolls provided by the event sponsor. The Houston first baseman crosses the plate on Milt Mays Homer just seconds ahead of the Reds' Dave Concepcion to earn the distinction. Thanks to his teammates' awareness of the situation from a clubhouse TV, yelling out to him, run faster. So he literally ran around the bases instead of trotting with a home run. It, well, it was Milt's home run. Uh, Bob Watson, a great player, played for the Braves, um, one of my favorite memories ever is driving home one night from a date. I don't know if it went particularly well. Probably wasn't since I was driving home with a Braves game. It was still on early evening. And uh, listening to him hit a resounding double after fouling off several – it was against the Astros, I think. 
and it just fouled off pitch after pitch after pitch and then hit one out into the um, – try to think. Hit one out into the uh, left center. It was a double against the wall and scored some runs, and the Braves won. It was just a great, great – made up for the night. 1984, Dave Kingman's 180-foot pop-up enters a drainage valve located in the Metrodome roof and never comes down. The uh, Twins infielders are rather surprised as they keep waiting and waiting. The A slugger goes to second base with a ground rule double, and the ball stayed put in the lining until the dome was uh, basically deflated a little bit to bring it down the next day. May 4th, 1996, a fifth-inning homer by Mark Lewis. The only hit, the Rangers right-hander Roger Pavlik yields in a complete game victory over Detroit. I mention this because teammate Ken Hill, who retired the last 26 batters he faced the day before, also allowed only one hit, making Texas the first AL club in 79 years to have one hitters thrown in two straight games. 2007, except for Nick Altrock's 1933 at-bat against the Philadelphia A's Rube Wahlberg, the second-inning chase-filled matchup of Mets first baseman Julio Franco against Diamondback fireballer Randy Johnson marked the oldest hitter-pitcher confrontation in big league history. With a mere 92-plus years of age between them, the nearly 49-year-old goes deep off the southpaw, who was four months shy of 44, to extend his record as the oldest player to homer, and with his ninth-inning swipe a second, continues to be the most senior man to steal a base. Here's an editor's note. The oldest matchup in MLB history occurred on the season's final day when 57-year-old pinch hitter Nick Altrock, in his only plate appearance in 1933, faced Rube Wahlberg, who was 37, for a combined age of 94 years, 80 days. So, thank you very much for that. May 4th of 2010, the Phillies say the team is discussing with the police the appropriateness of its use of a stun gum Stun gun, stun gun at the ballpark the day before. A city officer tasered a 17-year-old when the young fan jumped onto the playing field at the park. No, he shouldn't have tasered him. He should have pulled out his 44 and shot the son of a bitch in the head. Over the leg. 2010, same day, during the seventh inning, seventh inning stretch in a game against Detroit, the fans honor Ernie Harwell with a standing ovation upon hearing of the broadcasting icon's death. In September, the 92-year-old Hall of Fame announcer, who started his major league career with Brooklyn in 1948, spent 42 years broadcasting Tiger games, shared with the public of diagnosis with inoperable bile duct cancer. He also did Baltimore Orioles games, which I didn't realize he did till about a year or so ago. 2010, same day, U.S. Senator Jay Rockefeller, a Democrat from West Virginia, put out something in Congress, uh, Senate, saying he brings out the best in his players and exemplifies what sport of baseball is supposed to be about. Hustle, grit, loyalty, and determination. Who was he talking about? Braves manager Bobby Cox. At the United States Capitol, Senators Johnny Isaacson, Republican of Georgia, and Rockefeller present Cox with framed copies of their statements submitted into the congressional record. Uh, the 68-year-old skipper at the time had announced he was retiring at the end of the season after 51 years in pro baseball. And prayers out to Bobby because he's going through some health stuff. And, uh, and he, he and his family could use your thoughts and prayers right now. Uh, la, 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 la. Almost said it. Almost said it. Um, but I didn't. May 4, 2012, a winning bid made at Heritage Auctions of items from the collection of L.A. songwriter Seth Swirsky 
included an anonymous buyer paying $418,250 for the baseball hit by Mookie Wilson that rolled through the legs of poor Bill Buckner in the Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. Reggie Jackson's third home run ball from Game 6 of the 77 Fall Classic went for over $65,000. The Rangers cap that Jose Canseco was wearing in 93 when a ball bounced off his head over the wall for a home run went for almost $12,000. And a 1965 baseball signed by the Beatles from the Shea Stadium concert went for over 65K. That's a record amounts. And in 2018, on May 4th, Angels first baseman Albert Pujols got his 3,000th hit. He singled off Mike Leake in the fifth inning of the team's win over the Mariners up in Seattle. The historic safety ties the 10-time All-Star with Roberto Clemente for 31st on the all-time hit list. He will pass him with a second hit later in that contest. I want to thank John Boy Media, New York Post, ESPN, Saturday Down South, OnThisDay.com, and everybody else I've mentioned so far. I'll leave you with one little thing here, then we'll check Twitter. Uh, from a book called Great Baseball Feats, Facts, and First by David Nemec. The most difficult call for an umpire prior to 1884. It was whether or not a pitch was legally delivered. Until 1884, pitchers were restricted to blow-the-waist deliveries, much like fast-pitch softball pitchers. Umps in the early days often consulted with players and sometimes even with fans before rendering a decision on a play or a pitch. Imagine if that happened today. Mm-hmm. Now we'll look at Twitter, see if we missed anything. Why keep doing this here. Oh, Howard Kelman has a great thing. Game one, 1957 World Series. It's the Braves of Milwaukee against the New York Yankees. The Braves would win the series. Hank Aaron comes up to bat, and catcher Yogi Berra says, Hank, you have the trademark of your bat facing the pitcher. That's wrong. And Hank said, Yogi, I didn't come up here to read. (laughs) Hank batted 393 with three home runs in that World Series. That's pretty funny. Oh, boy. Expect to see a lot of uh, Star Wars stuff everywhere at every sports thing today. All the hockey games, all the basketball games, and all the baseball games. Hmm. Here's a quote from Satchel Page. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, let's look at the Braves lineup today. Acuna Jr. is going to lead off. Then you got Matt Olson batting second. I hate that. He should be batting third, and Riley should be the cleanup. Ozuna's batting cleanup, and he's, he's not doing squat. Ozzy's in a big slump. Darno did good in that first game. He always does well against his old team. There's batting seventh. Adam Duvall is killing him. Travis Demerit, I like that kid. I don't think he's ever going to be anything but a, but a backup, but he's a, he's a good fast runner. I like that. Okay, keep moving, keep moving. Uh, not seeing anything else jumping out here, just old photos. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see, go to uh, ESPN, catch a headline too. Before I let you go on this be- by the way it stormed all night and all morning and that is absolutely we got out at 9 a.m this morning from extra 106.3 and it was absolutely stunningly beautiful beautiful skies out so it's just gorgeous here in atlanta uh gary payton the second broke his elbow Ooh, he was pushed out of bounds or something that's ugly dusty baker his uh, historic 2000th win as a manager doing it for the astros these days Hmm. Oh, Lee Westwood says he wants to play in a Saudi Arabian uh, golf thing. 
Okay, cracks in the uh, armor there, the PGA. Of course, he's from England, so he can do whatever he wants. And ex-Trojans wide receiver, uh, what's his full name? His last name's McCoy. Brew McCoy, B-R-U, is transferring to Tennessee Volunteers. So there you go. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. Once again, get your T-shirts at farmhouseprintingco.com. That's Kimmer Show T-shirts, Holly Kravitz Sports T-shirts, Drink Up Shriner T-shirts, Shannon Burke T-shirts, Jack the Good Boy, Horse T-shirts, whatever you want. Or you can follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis one or write me, davis one at yahoo.com. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, have a great day, and drink up, Shriners. <laughs>